Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Durst energy today. Fred That's what Durst. I'm bringing to the fucking show today, man. <laughs> I, I'm you, bringing new hip old man Fred Durst energy. Fuck yeah, dude. I, I got my fucking Centrium Silver. I'm putting it up my ass. I got my <laughs> Ivermectin. I put it in my fucking bong. And I'm ready to Whoa. rip some new metal serial killer grooves on today's episode because I'm rolling, 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 rolling. rolling, rolling. <laughs> I had too many what? crab rangoos and my name is Fred Burst. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Be, be ready for better humor than that because we're just warming oh, up. have we started? I guess this All is right, it. Well, we're rolling, 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 rolling. What? What? Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben hanging out with Marcus and Henry. Yep. Hope everyone is doing well out there. We have a, uh, ooh, a disgusting two-parter for you today. Mm-hmm. This is the second half of our tale of Rat- Rodney Elkala, the dating game killer. So when we last left Rodney Alcala, he'd already killed at least half a dozen women and almost killed a child. He'd gone to prison Oof. for the latter crime, and he'd been sent to prison again after that for kidnapping a second girl months after being released for his crimes against the first one. That is, guy. That is the only time you don't want a baker's dozen, mm. is if it comes down to murder. Yeah. Six is enough. Mm. Dare I say it's too much? Honestly, these bakers are always fucking bragging about how much extra food they got. That's what a baker's dozens all about I it's about know. a baker bragging about their fucking skills when it I comes think down that, to it yeah i could do i could have some dough if i wanted to no i think the bakers work very hard for us and we appreciate the i'm baker. sorry yes what am i yes. saying but despite all this and despite the fact that he'd once been a member of the fbi top 10 most wanted list rodney alcala still managed to become a contestant on a popular 1970s game show called The Dating Game. Oh my god. I don't remember the exact song, but it's something like that. The world's worst producer who ever (laughs) produced The Dating Game needs to never work again. You're talking about Chuck Barris, but Chuck Barris was not the world's worst producer, necessarily. He was, if it is true, the world's worst assassin, which is also not true. He definitely wasn't in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) Chuck Barris, he was the one that he produced The Dating Game, The Newlywed Game, and the whole thing was that during this time period, the mid-1960s, most game shows happened during the day, and they were fairly clean, right? They were fairly... No, they were not. Well, no, no, this is the beginning Pam, of this. Pam, you, your husband said when you guys were making 
whoopee uh, <laughs> that you like to have a certain squeal. Is that true? You squeal like a pig. <laughs> wow. What um, a beautiful newlywed couple. Chuck Paris invented that kissle. He's the one who did that. He brought yeah. that to the world. He was the schlock master. That's what he ended up in. And honestly, he felt a lot of resentment being called the schlock master. But he was a massive producer in the mid 1960s trying to bring the counterculture from the streets to the television because he's trying to say we can use this groovy lifestyle that all the kids are way into with their high pubic hair and their no bras <laughs> and like all this fun stuff all the fun stuff that the kids are doing and Chuck Barris was like not only the producer but the host like the guy on Jeopardy what a fun guy what a fun guy and he's he was the host of these shows and he was the freewheeling like acid taken game show host which is the first time you saw that at the time period because he also did a show called The Gong Show oh yeah, yeah The Gong was, Show is fun really it's awesome oh yes The Gong Show is classic Barb, what could you do with a banana other than eating it? Why you gotta ask me all these hard questions? Barb, you are fucking failing. <laughs> uh, Chuck Barris would go on to claim later on, uh, I think after the suicide of his daughter, Aww. that he wrote a he wrote a book called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. He wrote several he autobiographies. He wrote that book? He did. Yeah, yes. No kidding. He wrote this, and this was what he called an unofficial or unacknowledged autobiography, which was like this funny thing that he wrote, because in the end, he was a very complicated and interesting man. But in this book, and in the George Clooney-directed film Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Chuck Barris claimed to have been an assassin for the CIA, and he said that he killed over 30 people for the CIA. For a while, people thought that this was legitimate. They thought that he actually did kill these people and that he was like, or more so, they thought that he went completely fucking insane and that he yeah. was living some kind of schizophrenic fantasy and he was saying this. And now what we know from the interviews with Chuck Barris towards the end of his life was that it was all just a grift. And all it was right. a funny bit that he used to sell books that he tried to get, you know, and he tried to do. The, but I was hoping that there was going to be more to it. Like maybe mm -hmm. there'd be more mysterious circumstances or it was him really insane. But it really was just another very skilled way of moving units. Yep. All yeah. right. Well, that's the uh, that's the norm. Usually it's just a grift. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you who have never seen the dating game, the concept is simple. Basically, a woman has to choose from three eligible bachelors Ooh. by asking them a series of goofy, somewhat sexy questions. Mm -hmm. And based on the answers, she chooses one bachelor at the end for a date, which is, of course, paid for by the good people at the dating game. Absolutely. Some of it, some of it was pretty juicy. Yeah. If mm. my pussy was a birthday candle, how would you blow it out? <laughs> with, my, <laughs> with my ass. Oh, I, uh, you can just take me. I, choose me. I love trucker dating game. But the twist is that there's a barrier between the woman and the bachelors. So she's choosing which one she likes based on voice and personality alone. <laughs> the innocence of television. This <laughs> physical beauty means nothing. But it's interesting because it, my that was favorite, like the, though, my favorite is when they do choose someone and they, they look at him and they are visibly upset with their choice. <laughs> well, the idea of handsome bachelor has changed quite a bit yeah, in the yeah. 40 years since the debut <laughs> of the dating game. Because if you look at the show, The Bachelor, and oh, then you yeah. look at the three bachelors that are normally on the dating game, oh lord, Bro. it just looked like <laughs> one, there's The Bachelor, and then it should be the three guys that work on The Bachelor's car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and to give you just one more example of Rodney Alcala's charm, 
he won his appearance on the dating game based solely on his personality. Now, from the moment Rodney Alcala flashes his smile after he's introduced, it feels like you're watching a fucking living nightmare on display. It's like something out of Sandman. He's like a fucking shark. You know what yeah. it reminded me of truly is Joker's scene, uh, mm-hmm. the, the most recent Joker, where mm-hmm. he's at the where, where he's oh, at the yes. talk show. It was just that kind of chilling where you're like, something's not quite right here. Almost like the Uncanny Valley. But, you know, also that might just be because we know who Rodney is. Yes. We know what he's done. We know what he still has yet to do. That's the thing is that now I, re- I rewatched the episode that mm-hmm. he was on, right? Just to kind of get a context for it. And the problem is that nowadays there's all the new true crime edits of the dating game. Mm-hmm. So it's all just like, boom, <laughs> on an innocent game, a killer emerge. Doom. And it's like, <laughs> uh, 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 like him doing like a slow lap. <laughs> but then when you cut to it, yes, and it seems evil. And then when you watch the actual episode, it's more in my mind, what I, what I realized this time when I was watching him, I was like, if I didn't know about his crimes, it would be more like, whoever that guy is, he's faking this. Like mm-hmm. he is a shallow person that does not, uh, feel well, people, the things that he is feeling. People were quite nervous on that show. You had to be. Yes. That's why I figured the cameras make people nervous. Absolutely. Well, let's check out just the introduction that they gave Rodney for his episode of The Dating Game. Good luck, gentlemen. Well, let's see. Baxter number one is a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of 13, fully developed. Between takes, you might find him skydiving or motorcycling. Please welcome Rodney Alcala. Rod, welcome. He had a very just, it's because he did that thing where he laughs with no sound, which Mm -hmm. really creeps me out. Um, And also, you know what I noticed about the dating dating game and all the other footage I saw of the newlywed game and the gong show? It was a really common thing for a host of an old gaming show to kiss a woman on the lips. Oh, my oh, goodness. Dude. Of course. That was ever crazy. Well, Dawson. Yeah, you ever oh, see yeah. Richard yeah, Dawson. Family feuds. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Those are fucking god awful. He watch. just just like this guy, too, because this guy also, just looks like an evil car, sale, car salesman. And he just like like the, the woman comes up and he grabs her by the chin. And he's just like. Wasn't the dude's like, original joke about how his father saw his cock in a dark room? Yeah. Wasn't that the beginning? <laughs> I mean, it's just this is how Jimmy Savile was able to just like laugh his way into the grave. <laughs> so after all three bachelors were introduced, the young lady, whose name is Cheryl, comes oh. out. And she's introduced by a bad joke involving foot massages. Mm. Yeah, it was, uh, she used to be, uh, she used to massage feet for a living, but she quit when her boss asked her to work her way up. Whoa! <laughs> okay. He was a predator then. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Good. <laughs> And as you can tell by her interactions with Rodney throughout the show, Cheryl is just a normal, fun-loving 1970s gal. Yeah, she's groovy. Yeah. Well, let's take the interactions that Rodney and Cheryl have one by one. Bachelor number one. Yes? What's your best time? The best time is at night. Nighttime. Why do you say that? Because that's the only time there is. The only time? What's wrong with uh, morning, afternoon? Well, they're okay, but nighttime's when it really gets good. Um, well, you know, to be honest, you, again, they're coached to be naughty. They're told to be naughty. Yeah, and but you could have sex in days. the daytime, too. Yeah, 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 but only after you're married. <laughs> he just seems like he really liked nighttime because that's when he went and did all of his horrible, horrible crimes. Yes. Yes, yeah. now we know that. 
But that's right. the joke. But you can see that when he's answering that question, nah. like that smile nah. is like, you guys don't even get the joke. Nah. Because what I am talking about is horrendous crimes against humans. I'm a but you think vampire, I'm talking about maybe you don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's hear the next one. I'm a drama teacher, and I'm going to audition each of you for my private class. Bachelor number one. You're a dirty old man. Take it. Oh, come on, over here. <laughs> oh, honey, we ought to go out and boogie. You know, uh, you know, this is just imagine all of me. this. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they can't all yeah. just throw a character at him and expect it to be fucking pure gold. Just imagine <laughs> all of this. Perhaps the timing doesn't quite work out, but you can you can figure it out. Uh, imagine all of this with the backdrop with the backdrop of Vietnam. Mm. You know, so you watch this and then you watch the Not local quite. news. This is, this is 1979. This is 1970. So let's say the Korean War. So you're watching this and then you turn to footage of the Korean War and then you're like, and just another night in America. There is something so unbelievably disturbing about how we, we are so puritanical. So you have to skirt around sex as opposed to just asking the question. And it makes it so much scarier. But this was a trailblazing show in the opposite direction. Sure. That was like the whole point of the dating game and the newlywed show and the gong show was that Chuck Barris was like, we have abandoned our sexuality. This is, we're all sexual beings like this. We should um, infuse this into the our pop culture. I don't know if America had abandoned it. I don't remember. No, uh, no, because the 1970s was filled with sex criminals. So they definitely, <laughs> on some level, uh, you know, it was there. It just, it wasn't allowed to be normal. All right, let's hear the last interaction between the two of them, which is the only one where Rodney Alcala does sound the tiniest bit charming. A bachelor number one, I am serving you for dinner. Oh. What are you called and what do you look like? I'm called the banana and I look really good. Uh, can you be a little more descriptive? Peel me. <laughs> eh? Whoa, peel me. Okay, peel that me. Was, that was quick. <laughs> he might have had bad. that overloaded. He might yeah. have had that preloaded. <laughs> he may have been fed that line we don't know. Yeah, maybe. I would have gone with mutton cocks. <laughs> mutton cocks instead of mutton chops going with mutton cocks although is mutton chops a food no no that's a hairstyle no it is a hairstyle <laughs> you would be completely incorrect and maybe yeah. she'd be like maybe she'd hear that and go I can fix him maybe pork pie <laughs> but if porking with the pork and pie you know what I'm talking about uh, no, but you know no. again it is weird to serve a banana at dinner but you yeah. know when it comes down yeah. to it he was trying to make a connection but yes that was the one tiny moment where you can kind of see why people listen to Rodney Alcala, right? Yeah. I was watching a really interesting, uh, it's recently released footage of Paul Bernardo in a uh, police interrogation, like in a police interview, 10 years after he'd already been arrested and in jail. And it's a really interesting case study to see the highly charismatic psychopath at work. You should yeah. look it up. It's oh, under yeah. a YouTube case, the YouTube uh, account called Criminal Psychology. And the Paul Bernardo footage really shows how like this type of guy works where he yeah. is dynamic kind of. And he is really funny, but he's also highly pushy. And because people do have like a reaction to people who like, yeah, that's why I guess why pickup artists use negging and making mm -hmm. fun of you and digging into you because there's something about people that have kind of like a battle personality that attracts some people like somebody who's willing to say like be like yeah i thought your hair would be a lot prettier or like some kind of oh, bullshit. thank you that's really nice i love that that's so fun yes sexbury steak 
Sex barista. <laughs> I think that might actually work. That could, uh, that could, that's your scent. Yes. That's even better if you have cologne. Yes. Banana cream. You can just go with banana cream pie. Yeah. I'm glad you you're still can. thinking about it. Yeah. I can still yeah. think about this yeah. all day. Mm hmm. Jelly well, and cum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could literally do this all day. It's too fun. It's too fun. Well, based on just those three answers, Cheryl chose Rodney Alcala as her date. Quote, Aww. because I like bananas. She's fun. <laughs> yeah. She is really, I mean, truly and very pretty as well. She's a pip. I'd say yeah, she's a pip. Total. And, but when the curtain was lifted, she seemed to be almost immediately repelled by Rodney's appearance. You can see it on her fucking you face. Can. See, Rodney did have a somewhat handsome face, but his hair and style of dress left much to be desired. If you've never seen a picture, Alcala had a distinctive look. Big collars. I mean, it's 1978, yeah. so you know he's got the big collars. An open shirt displaying his chest and very long, curly hair that was so full, it stuck out about three to four inches on each side of his head. He's yes. a weird-looking fucker. He's he, got good hair. He looks like a magistrate. I don't know. I don't mind <laughs> that hair. He's like a funky vampire magistrate, yes. Yeah. He just kind of has a thing going on where he's a disco molester. And there's something about the hair being that big that I think yeah. is really kind of almost scary in a way, only just because, like, how do you get it that big? Yeah. You grow it. You're, you tease most, it. Okay, Henry, most times your hair just grows naturally. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I mean, like, Marcus and I don't think about it. No, yeah, it just, I mean, I just, think about it. You think about gross. your hair a lot more than we do. I yeah. have to. Yeah. Someone has to. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Rodney comes out from behind the curtain and puts his arm around Cheryl, you can see her look at him twice. He, she looks once and then looks again and just looks for a little bit longer. And you can see her immediately, immediately decide, nah, nope, yeah. not doing this. Now, the date was supposed to be tennis lessons and a trip to Magic Mountain. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fucking love Magic Mountain. But after spending oh, just yeah, nothing, a nothing will be better than sex after tennis lessons and a trip to Magic Mountain. I mean, <laughs> yes. I, honestly, it's kind of nice to have a summer afternoon tennis roundabout. Good Lord. But after spending just a few minutes with Rodney after the taping, Cheryl told dating game producers that she didn't feel comfortable being alone with him because he was creepy and she refused the date. Yeah, man. good for you, Cheryl. Stand up for yourself. Yay. And Cheryl wasn't the only one at the dating game who got a vibe from Rodney. Jed Mills, a.k.a. Bachelor Number Two, he said he couldn't stand to be near Rodney and that he unconsciously bent away from Alcala during the taping. I will mm. say, I do feel that Jed Mills protests a tad too much, according to, I believe it's the 2020, the mm -hmm. 2020 or the Dateline uh, episode on this, where he, he was just like, eh, I'll tell you what, it was rigged because he's tall. He's tall. <laughs> I mean, being like, you know, they can't tell. There's a no, wall. They, they, you know can't see he's like, they don't know. Yeah, she should have chose me. I was the lonely one. He should have had, had better answers. I could have been a banana. Yeah, well, you didn't say it, though, did you? <laughs> Well, Mills went on to say that while Rodney was quiet before the show, he, was, he would also interrupt and impose. He was obnoxious, rude, and unlikable, as though he was trying to intimidate the other two contestants. In fact, Mills said Rodney Alcala was the standout creepy guy in his life. Hmm. Bachelor number three, however, Armand Sarami, said he didn't think about Rodney Alcala at all. Nah, man. He's too and, cool for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Armand Sarami. Fuck yeah. yeah, bro. Come on. And he basically forgot about him until he finally heard the story of the dating game killer 
in 2010. And then he wow. was like, wow, that's wild, baby. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa, baby. Okay, come on now. He was the bald one. He was the cool yeah, one. Yeah. Personally, I just think that Rodney didn't see Armand as a threat. And mm. so he didn't, he saw, he saw the other guy, he saw Mills as the threat. So he fucking went after him. But okay. honestly, Armand Sarami, uh, which they did cut the C off at the end, because if not, he didn't want, he didn't want to know that he was from the incredibly fabulous ceramic family. But Armand <laughs> looked at the, the, the other two guys and was like, these guys are no competition for me. Meanwhile, he looked like Mr. Mushnick. Yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't the highest competition of all time, but from your grave. my sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. 
No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Now, just a few months after Rodney's appearance on The Dating Game, Kennifer Bianchi and Angelo Buono, the Hillside Stranglers, were finally arrested in Los Angeles after they had kidnapped, tortured, raped, and murdered 10 women between October of 1977 and February of 1978. Now, right in the middle of all that, Rodney Alcala had killed and posed Jill Barkham. And while police did assume that she was a Hellside Strangler victim, Kennifer and Angelo denied having anything to do with it, meaning cops now had another serial killer on the loose during the worst serial killer spree Los Angeles had seen up to that point. Man, that must have been a lot for the Hillside Stranglers to be like, that wasn't us. I mean, imagine what it's like to be the LAPD at that point. The Hillside Stranglers are the absolute, it's the worst murders you've ever had uh, come across your fucking desk, and you think you've got the guys. You've got the guys, you have these 11 awful murders. It's buttoned up. It's buttoned up, man, and then you've got the worst one, the absolute worst one out of the whole pile, and they say, we didn't do that one. And you realize this slow realization Ugh. that there's another one. I guess and I picked the have... wrong day to quit eating donuts. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Never yeah. quit donuts. And you have no idea who it is. Like no None. leads but you whatsoever. Because it's a That's... brand new person as far as you're concerned. Technically. Like it's or inspired by the Hillside Stranglers. But if you are a cop, you know what you just got? Job security. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Job security. More work to do. Well, they're <laughs> not quitting. They're not firing you today so just you're because thinking, you're drunk all the time on the job. So you're thanking serial killers and mass shooters for keeping police employed. <laughs> all I'm saying is they haven't led to many firings. <laughs> but with investigators still nowhere close to Rodney, at least when it came to Jill Barkham, he continued his reign of terror, even though investigators in New York were closing in on him as a suspect in the murder of Ellen Hover. But what's interesting is at this point, Rodney Alcala suffered a temporary moment of conscience, as serial killers sometimes do. Hmm. In February of 1979, Rodney Alcala picked up a hitchhiking 15-year-old named Monique Hoyt and asked her to pose for some photos. He told her, as he told many victims during this period, that he needed a model to pose for a photography contest. And if he won, the winnings would be split between him and his model. Meanwhile, this is 1979. As soon as two people split up, they never see each other ever again. Like, he doesn't yeah. have any contact. There's no contact information. Like, you know, it was the, such a shady shit. Well, maybe if you feed her a nice dinner, like... uh Cuck shroom soup. Are you just making up more sex foods from Instead the beginning? Of mushroom soup. Cuck, sh cuck shroom That's soup. That's weird. Cuck, it doesn't even. It, it doesn't, doesn't really even, work. But no, I mean, but it's fine. It is. It mm. is what it is. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Cock chops. There you I go. Thank you, Marcus. Pork chops, I mean, that just sounds like dicks. That sounds like dicks cut off <laughs> on a plate. A bunch of different kind of stuff. Pussy pie. There you go. Pussy pie. Very good. Mm, very good. Very good. Hot dogs. 
That's just hot, hot dog. That's a hot dog. I guess you can put it in. If you got a hole, you can put a hot dog in that. Your answer would have just been hot dogs. I'm a hot dog. Uh, hot dogs. <laughs> Boiled hot dogs. <laughs> I'll choose bachelor number, Parkus. Marcus Parks. If you boil them, you get to eat them soon. And then you get all the scented water. Isn't that nice? I'm so happy they got the guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too, to be one of my bachelors. Well, after Rodney charmed this girl, this Monique Hoyt, he told her that he needed to pick up some photography equipment at his mother's house and asked her to come along. Now, Monique Hoyt ended up staying the night without incident at Rodney's hmm. mom's house. But the next morning, she and Alcala drove 80 miles east of L.A. to a deserted area outside the town of Banning. After 15 minutes of walking, Alcala began taking pictures. And before long, he was asking Monique to take what he called silly pictures. Ugh. Like, say, for example, Ugh. it'd be really silly and fun if you pulled your shirt up over your face. So, no, just, uh, that's no, I mean, silly, silly and fun silly is like if she would walk like or... a duck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about making pornography. Yeah. Yeah. Monique, Which can be silly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it can be funny. Sure. Yeah. Now, Monique, thinking she was just having a good time, she did what Rodney asked. And while her vision was obscured, Rodney smashed her in the head with a tree branch, causing her to black out almost immediately. When she woke up, she followed her instincts and played dead. But after Rodney started raping her, she couldn't stay silent any longer and started screaming. Rodney then shoved a t-shirt into her mouth and choked her until she passed out. But when she woke up again... Bound by her wrists and ankles, Rodney's demeanor had changed. Instead of the monster he'd been before, Rodney was now sitting on the ground, sobbing. Rightfully thinking that this was the moment to gain his trust, Monique said that they didn't have to tell anyone what had happened, and in the smartest move she could have made, she said she'd be more than happy to go back to his mother's house to talk things over. Okay. I, th I think that's an insanely smart move, because had I she mean, said, just let me go, we'll never see each other again, her saying, let's go back to your mom's house, let's talk about right, this. Yeah, right. like, it, can, it furthers the relationship a little bit, you can pretend as if, like, things are chill, things are okay, maybe, and then you can get yourself to a safe situation, or at least you'd be in front of his mother, yeah. and maybe, hopefully, they're not in cahoots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, without saying a word, Alcala stood up and untied Monique Hoyt. They walked to his car in silence, drove down the mountain, and stopped at a convenience store for a soda. Rodney then said he needed to go to the bathroom. And the second that bathroom door was closed, Monique ran to the motel next door and screamed for the police. I mean, it's like devil's rejects. I it mean, is. Terrifying. She got back to safety and she was really smart and resourceful and got herself out of there. And it's, it is, it, it's just fucked, right? Because in my mind, Rodney Alcala... I don't know if it's conscious. I wonder if it's, he's tired. I wonder if there's a tired thing. I wonder if they had this night because they had like, quote unquote, a consensual night together, right? Even though she's fucking 15, so she can't really consent, right? So they had this consensual night. And then in his mind, it was like, I, I had this reality of a relationship. Like I had this, like, it happened to me. Like I didn't have to bind this woman, do this shit. Like it was all like, it was all quote unquote, like happening for real. And that maybe you, you kind of like have this moment where you step back 
and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Or did he just come his pants? Yeah, I think I was I was thinking maybe he just came his pants because your idea, which is valid, of course, that's a little it's a little bit Beauty and the Beast. True. It's a little too Disney for this disgusting. Yeah, because he's a fucking yeah. monster. Yeah. yeah. And he, did, and he probably also, did it a hundred times up to this point. So I don't right. really understand why this time is different than others. I bet, I bet you you're right. I bet you he was just freaking tired. He's like, I'm just so they don't die as quick as they used I mean, to. Seriously? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I I really have no idea. I mean, it might just be because he was tired, because he did take off as soon as Monique Coit made it to the motel. He came back, saw she was gone, he took off. But what's baffling is that he didn't just leave town like he'd done before. Instead, he went back to his mother's house and just waited until the police came. I think he, he thought that he could charm his way out of the situation, but once the police arrived, he just limply denied the charges. He him and hawed about what he'd been doing that day. Uh, and when they weren't satisfied, of course, they just arrested him for rape and Ugh. took him into custody without incident. I mean, he'd already beaten how many rape charges already? God. Well, no, he hadn't beaten any of them. He'd just gone to prison for them. <laughs> but yeah, he already. Yeah, so yeah. he's already done this song and dance in a yeah. way. I feel like it's almost like a more familiar thing. Just being like, I guess I can do another two years. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Cause that's what it comes down to. Because at the time they didn't fucking punish rape for no, no fucking reason. Yeah. Now, this whole incident gives us a rare look into the mind of Rodney Alcala, although I'm not quite sure what it says. See, this crime is the only one that he ever explicitly admitted to the authorities. He said that the whole encounter had been consensual up to a point, which is something that Monique later said as well, despite the fact that, like Henry said, the whole idea of consent is skewed because of Monique's age. But Rodney said that at one point she wanted him to stop, but he didn't. His excuse was that he was in a quote-unquote unreasoning situation. And when she started screaming, he stopped thinking and let his worst instincts take over. Because then in this little kind of release valve, he can pretend as if this is the only time this has ever happened to me, even though yeah. he's talking to police officers that will then look at his criminal record. Because right. I do think that there is a little bit of that. I think that he also kind of thought in his skewed mind that, oh, I'll just act like this was like a, a, like a momentary lapse uh, yeah. uh, into insanity. He might just be trying shit out, like trying yeah. out a nude method. Like maybe if I just admit to the rape, then I'll just then I'll get away with just that. And I don't have to worry about anything else. And that's the thing is that it did kind of sort of work, because even after he admitted to the assault and rape of a minor, a judge set Rodney's bail at just ten thousand oh dollars. That's all they got to post is a thousand. And after his mother immediately posted it, Rodney was back on the streets until his trial in September, six mm. months away. Well, he is good and chastised then. Yeah. You can almost <laughs> see those, the small welt on his wrist from getting slapped so yeah. hard. In those six months, Rodney would murder both a woman and a little girl. And that's Jesus. just the crimes that we know about. Less than a month after Rodney was released on bail, he murdered a 21-year-old girl named Jill Parento in her apartment, likely by removing a window with a screwdriver and cutting through the screen to get inside. When police found Jill's body during a welfare check, they found that she had been posed, strangled multiple times, raped, <sighs> violated with a hammer, bitten, and severely beaten like all the others. But this time, Rodney had pointed a lamp towards the body to fully display the carnage, escalating his madness into something almost theatrical. Mm. He's a banana. 
He's a banana, yeah. <laughs> for dinner, semen toast crunch. Yeah. Oh, God, that's uh, that's the best one of all. Though. That's the I think, but it's the best one of all. It's mm-hmm. the one that flows off the tongue. It yeah, does. semen toast oh, crunch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. God Almighty! All right, fruit, fruit poops. Fruit, fruit poops. Poops. Yeah. poops. Sure, yeah, the old Hitler special. Man. I don't know. Oh man! Yeah. All right. How about just Crispix? <laughs> I love a good Crispix. Crisp, crisp dicks. I mean, of course that that's, works. That's that, how you that make it sexual. Yeah, of course. Crispix. Chris Blicks. Oh, Chris Chris Blicks. Clits. Chris Blicks. I'm happy we're fucking finding some. That's great humor, guys. This is great. R.I.P. Norm McDonald. I'm sorry. There's yeah, no I mean, we can't replace you. So, yeah, we yeah. can't replace you. No. Live from your grave. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod. Ah, Jules! Oh, Jules! Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it, and she loved it, and she wore it when we went on vacation, and modern did everybody come around being like, where'd you get that piece, you beautiful woman? And I was like, stop talking to my wife. She's spoken for. You can see it with the Blue Nile bling she's got on her. Right now, get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. 
besides appetizers. That's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Days later, Rodney tried escalating once again by trying to take two victims at the same time. He approached two teenage girls at Huntington Beach while they were roller skating and gave the same song and dance about a photography prize. Oh, my God. So you're telling me these two girls are roller skating and all of a sudden just, what you guys doing? You guys roller skating, huh? Yeah, man. I'm just <laughs> That's how that is. <laughs> That's what happens. Oh, my God. Ask women who roller skate. How yeah. often men must chase them down the street, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly. I, no, I know that's a fact. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the girls agreed and had a pretty good time posing for fairly innocent pictures in public. But when Alcala asked for their phone numbers and addresses, they declined. And when he asked if they wanted to, quote unquote, get loaded, they skated away. The next day, Rodney tried the same routine with two other teenage girls in the same location. But it seems like Rodney's charm was starting to fade away because these girls also declined. I imagine Although, he gets real desperate real fast. I imagine he does. But he also might be one of those uh, fucking like shotgun guys. The yeah. guys that go and just talk to woman after woman after oh, woman yeah, of after course. woman Definitely. until one of them says yes. Yeah. Well, undeterred. Alcala continued searching Huntington Beach that same day and eventually found Bridget Wilvert and Robin Samso, both aged 12. They agreed to take pictures, but a beachgoer named Jackie Young noticed that a quote-unquote weirdly dressed man was inappropriately touching these girls while he was taking their pictures. When this good Samaritan asked the young girls if they were okay... Alcala packed up his equipment and briskly walked away. So fucking weird. So weird. Thinking that was the end of it, the two girls went their separate ways. Bridget Wilvert made it home, but Robin Samso didn't. I actually had a good conversation with both my wife, Natalie, and our friend, Sonia, uh, that both professionally modeled for a while. And I asked them, like, what is your instincts? Like, what do you guys do to avoid, like this how do you avoid yeah. getting murdered by a photographer how do you tell well I, don't be 12 evidently i mean definitely <laughs> not impossible thing to avoid but i thought that this was an interesting way to to talk about like you know like ask me like so how do people avoid this and number one listen to fellow models was a thing that they said if you f find out that somebody's creep you find out like through the network of people like ask people that have worked with them look for a portfolio look at all for that that other shit and sonia had a good point where she said always ask if you can bring somebody and mm. see what their reaction is. And that's how you know if they are a full creep or not. Because no one should object to you bringing somebody to the shoot. And yeah. twins. Yeah, because <laughs> then you'd say it'd be nice. Because then you got a guy there, he's having fun. Sure. He's bringing yeah, him. Good, good. Duncan. Good advice. Absolutely. Carry some, uh, be there with some a friend. Yes. Now, we don't know how Rodney tracked Robin down or how he convinced her to get in his car. But the last person to see them before Rodney killed her was a U.S. Forestry Service seasonal firefighter named Dana Crappa. She was working a... I know, it's... it's I mean, it's... What do you even do? It's yeah. just... There's no other way to say it. It's either Crappa, 
It Crepa, could be maybe. I don't think Cre- it is Crepa. Crepa is Crepa. is the weirdest <laughs> name I've ever heard. If your name is Dana, Dana Crepa, it means your name is Dana Crapper. You know what I mean? Uh, could be. Could be. She was working a five-day shift in the San Gabriel Mountains, driving up Santa Anita Canyon Road when she saw a Datsun station wagon parked near the road. Dana noted this because she had that same car, which is something I also do when I see fellow Outbackers outbacking around. <laughs> this hey, is not I'm about Subaru. Hey. Marcus, how do you shoehorn your love for the Subaru into this horrendous story? It's not shoehorning, my friend. That, that was a shoehorn. A, that was not a shoehorn. She loves that. That was some Cinderella shoving a shoe into or shoving a foot into a shoe. Listen, all right. He got that Subaru for free because <sighs> of little in. Add in show. This is, this is an insert that we didn't know about. Marcus Parks drives a Subaru. Oh and my god! We're not doing it. We're not doing it. They would love. Oh. They would love the placement of this ad, by the way. But what crap I should have noted more than the shared automobile was the dark-haired man with long, weird, curly hair forcefully steering a blonde girl towards a dry stream bed. Alcala turned and looked straight through Crappa, but Crappa did nothing that day. Now, when Robin Samso wasn't home by midnight, her parents filed a missing persons report while Rodney took his Datsun the very next day to get the carpet and the floorboards changed because he claimed that he'd spilled gasoline in the car. How? How does get? How would you do that? This is my friend Gasoline. He sits in the passenger seat so yeah. I can drive in the... Uh, <laughs> my thing is, is that honestly, it's mostly just my personal smell that sometimes affects it very supposed oh, to be inside of a car. Isn't that nice? You're a good buddy. Then I can drive in the carpool lane and get to work a little faster. Yeah, yeah. Then you'd leave me outside and I'll eat. Thanks, Gasoline. <laughs> You're my favorite friend. Mm-hmm. By 10 p.m. that night, the day after Rodney killed Robin Samso, Alcala called his girlfriend, Elizabeth Keller. See, like Ted Bundy, Rodney Alcala had a steady girlfriend during many of his murders. But unlike Ted, Rodney had started seeing Elizabeth just after he'd been arrested and charged with rape. Oh my God, it's just unbelievable. Why would you do this? And You I know, mean, and again, Rodney Alcala does this type of shit where, again, the Ted... Having a girlfriend while you kill other girls is a serial killer's way of feigning normalcy. And I think that we've yeah. talked about this several times mm-hmm. about how, tr- to me, the truly dangerous serial killers are the ones that having a normal life is a part of their sexual game. Yeah. And Rodney Alcala is definitely one of those people. I mean, and also it's, you know, it is 1979. He can hide that he's got a rape trial coming up. He's got six months. Like it's yeah, like I guess you got six months. You just got to yeah. get past Christmas, right? Because yeah. the they're just looking <laughs> cuffing season. Oh, is that right? Well, that's not good for this guy. <laughs> Seems like every season is cuffing season for <laughs> this guy. dickhead Alcala. <laughs> better not be too funny. You'll die. I know. <laughs> no, that's why I'm gonna live a long, long time. Hopefully. Well, apparently Rodney and Elizabeth had met each other at a bar in April of 1979 a month after Rodney's latest rape arrest. And Elizabeth was smitten with this photographer of no small talent because she was a photographer as well. Oh. And remember, there's no Google. You know, no. there's no way no, to just course. like quickly look up somebody. You know, she would have to go to a police station or a library and look through microfiche right. to find something on this guy. I mm. would say that if I, would, if I could time travel back to 1977, I'd tell more women to go like, check! 
the microfiche. <laughs> Just sound like a lunatic screaming. Check the microfiche. Screaming in the town square. Honestly, check the microfiche. I scream check the microfiche at various people on the street uh, yesterday. Hey, that's a great idea. Check the microfiche. I used to love doing that when we were in school. Oh, I, I like microfiche and microfiche. It was something like that. But what Rodney didn't realize is that he'd spent a little too much time at Huntington Beach on the day of Robin Samso's murder. Multiple people had come forward about the oddly quaffed man who'd spent his day taking pictures of teenagers. He legitimately was not someone who he was not someone who faded into the background. He no. was over like six foot four with his hair. Like, yeah. that's how pronounced it was. He dressed wildly and very I mean, similar to Unterweger. The- you remember mm-hmm. like that same thing? Because he's a very uh, on the psychopath scale. He he's he's gets 10 out of 10 glibness, right? Yeah. Where he gets that thing where he just thinks he's the shit. If he was at some kind of function that allowed for or that was suitable to wear pants and a jacket at, he may have fit in. <laughs> It's just he's at the beach looking like he's about to uh, go to the DMV. Yes. (laughs) And when a composite sketch was released that looked quite a bit like Rodney Alcala, big weird hair and all, Rodney took steps to change his appearance. First, he chemically straightened his hair. (laughs) Hey, man, Ted Bundy fucking reversed the part. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the thing. He's straightening. He's not going to cut that fucking hair. It takes years to get hair like that. It would have been so much easier to cut the hair. mm -hmm, So much easier, but okay. Yeah, I mean, he wanted to keep the hair, man, at least for a little bit. But when the long, straight hair looked ridiculous, I mean, he probably looked like a skinny-ass Fabio. Yeah, he uh, (laughs) surely probably looked like a shaman from Cleveland. You know what I mean? Like a guy you can get ayahuasca from in Ohio. No one will ever. No one's a shaman. No No one is a shaman. Never listen to a shaman. You have to be in South America to meet one. No one can teach you veganism. And dare I say, no one can even teach you guitar. (laughs) No one teaches anything. (laughs) But after that look ridiculous, Rodney cut his hair short. Meanwhile, going off a tip given by firefighter Dana Crappa, investigators found the body of Robin Samso a little less than two weeks after the murder. Thankfully and oddly, though, Alcala seemed to have killed his last victim without all the pomp and circumstance. Because when Samso's body was found, She'd simply been strangled and left to decompose in the forest. No posing, he's, no yeah. rape, nothing like that. Just he's given strangled up the ghost. and left. I really do think he's given up the ghost. He's trying to figure out a way to either shift MOs or he's going into an in- inert period. He's going to mm-hmm. go into one of those where you go into a valley where they talk about serial killer behavior all the time. And then you'd pick back up a year later after you swear, this is the last one. I'll never do this again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like but, someone sounds like someone opening up a box of Krispy Kreme, but in this case, it is not. You know what? It doesn't sound like someone opening a box of Krispy <laughs> No, I said it all the time. This is my last one. Yeah, yeah. But then you always have one. Yeah, but it's not uh. a dead girl. No, that's what I'm saying. It's different. I'm just saying it's a But symbol. it's also, it's just so, yeah, you know what? It's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's fine. It I'll, is I'll, what it I'll is. I'm going to start saying it. that more often with Kissel because of the Irishman. I want to say thank you to the Irishman and give him <sighs> a new mob phrase. It is. What it is. I can't believe he was able to write that. And how much did that movie cost to make? He's he's still an artist. It is what it it is. It is good. It is a good film. Wow, that is incredible. I heard the movie is what it is. It's so brilliant. What it is is very, you should see the scene. So brilliant. You should see the ending scene. The Irishman. Wow. Phyllis. But even though Rodney had taken steps to change his appearance, he still knew that he was but a few short steps from a jail cell. So Rodney began the process of once again leaving Los Angeles until the heat died down. 
He told his girlfriend that he'd been thinking of moving to Dallas to open a photography studio, and he told her that he was taking a trip down south to check out the town. But instead of going to Dallas, Rodney drove to Seattle. There, he rented a storage locker to hide the trophies he'd taken from his victims, namely earrings, and to hide his archive of photos that he'd taken himself, which neared 2,000 in number. And I tell you what, y'all, if you really want to experience what it's like to be in the mind of Henry Zabrowski, honestly, just to like what I say you do is first of all, drink coffee until about 7 p.m. Good idea. Then start powering the scotch, right? Then you start, you get to like, I'd say what you first need is two healthy glasses, two healthy glasses of scotch, right? Okay. You know, maybe watch some marriage at first sight and then go into your, wherever, some private area and just with your glass of scotch and some sativa, just pour through the hundreds of pictures that are available on the internet that Rodney Alcala uh, had in this storage unit. And then you slowly become Matthew McConaughey from True Detective, like inside of your own home. Like you, that's the experience if you wanted. If so you, you, want think it, about, you think about running for governor of Texas? <laughs> I wish. But honestly, if you want to feel like you're living in a storage unit, but you're inside of your own home, that's the way to do it. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. All I mean, right. these- true crime storage wars. I think we've mentioned that before. <laughs> it's a yep. horrible, yeah. that's a horrible storage war. It's a Honestly, horrible storage uh, container to get. Save that pitch. Yeah. yeah. True crime. I mean, oh, you watch it. It's already being made, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, only a fraction of these photos were ever released to the public because they wanted to see <sighs> if people could identify victims because they knew Alcala had so many more than 10. Uh, and it's actually through that release that police linked Rodney to the murder in Montana that we discussed last episode. Yes. And these pictures are fucking creepy. I mean, most of these pictures were of smiling girls flirting with the camera. They're usually in public, but not always. And most of the time, they look like they're having a great fucking night. Oh, yeah, dude. And because I've been listening to No Dogs in Space, the Joy Division series, like, there's something about, like, playing, putting these songs and putting these pictures in, like, a slideshow while mm-hmm. love will tear mm-hmm. us apart is like playing <laughs> over it that really right, yeah. adds to the, the the darkness of it you and wait, how fucked oh up yeah. it is. You wait until Joy Division is a part of the U.S. military and they sl- just smile. They scream smile. at you as you walk down the street like, smile, be happy. Smile. I don't really enjoy the please state that we're living in. You can say whatever you want as long as you're smiling. No, put on closer. That one that one will really fuck you up looking at these pictures. Just start going Ugh. through really fast when isolation comes on and it'll, yeah. you'll get all fucked up. Yeah, and then as long if you, as want you don't ch- watch them like Clark Griswold and start weeping and, and, re- and remembering the good times. But in certain series of photos, Rodney would capture the moment that happiness turned to fear mm-hmm. right when the girls realized that Rodney was not what he appeared to be. Other photos, never released to the public, show women in various states of consciousness. One photo that was accidentally released showed a girl limply draped over a tree branch with her eyes half-closed. She was most likely dead. But after (sighs) Seattle, Rodney made a fatal mistake. Instead of going straight to Dallas, he returned to his mother's home back in Los Angeles. And he was soon arrested naked in the middle of the night for the oh. murder of Robin Samso. Woo! Wow, right. he, they, they did something. Is this going to stick, though? Yeah. I hope it sticks. We'll find out. <laughs> it is interesting. He's a nude sleeper, huh? Nude yeah. sleeper. I mean, so is so Marcus. Am I. Yeah. yeah. No, I love to. I'm a, I'm a whatever I whatever happens. Sometimes I'll, <laughs> You're in charge of whatever happens. No, I know, but sometimes you wake up and then you have your underwear off. I, I have had that. Because you're hot at night or you take your shirt. I have to take my shirt off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, naturally, his mother and stepfather were absolutely shocked when their loving son was carted out of their home in handcuffs, but they were even more surprised by all the weird shit police found in Rodney's room. Check. They didn't. You're older. Listen. All right, listen. Let's say you're an older listener. If you're an older listener and you have a... I'm going to just say, just say son, who's mm-hmm. over 30 years old, who lives in the other that. room, and you never see what's in that room. It's your, still, it's your house still. It's your house. You go in that fucking room right now. You go in that room right now, and you go look and see what's in that room. It's mostly just going to be cum. All right? And that's fine. And that should be allowed. He should be allowed to come in well, there. What else does he have? Oh I don't goodness. know. No, if you have, if you go in there and you find a collection of cum bottles, cum socks, cum boxes. That's his, that, so, he has to any have that. Sort of, no, if there's any I don't sort of think standing, you need to har- Harbor cum in your room. Yeah, if there's standing cum, you need to have that conversation with Sure. Him. That's a different yeah, conversation sure, yeah, sure. to have. Oh, gosh. Sure, but sure. just make yeah. sure that everything's good in there. Mm-hmm. Among other things, police found in Rodney Alcala's room at his mom's house a pair of handcuffs, pieces of rope, eight issues of a porno mag called Young and Naked. Yeah. A leather. <laughs> I love the articles. Are incredible. Yeah. It would be like best things, best ways to get your neighbors to hopscotch with you. I love that article. <laughs> Found a leather bullwhip, a pair of pink panties with black tape on each side, 1,200 photos, negatives, and slides, and a superfluous frizzy black wig. Why Ooh. did he need the frizzy black wig? Can I, can I postulate it's because he cut his hair and he missed his hair? <laughs> And then he puts the wig on and he's just be like, I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me. But yeah, then he's back to normal. He can put that wig on. He's like, that's the Rodney I know. Good work, rapist. You know, high fives himself. Now, had the cops only had the witness statements and what they'd found in his room, Rodney Alcala might not have even gone to trial. But what Rodney didn't know was that police routinely listened in on jailhouse phone calls, especially Mm. when they're looking for evidence. As such, they heard Rodney telling his sister in Spanish to go clean out his storage locker in Seattle. I guess thinking, I guess he thought nobody in the fucking LAPD spoke Spanish. Not a good Yeah, move. you gotta like speak Klingon or something if you want to have a language that's secret. <laughs> Spanish is the, that's really I think scary. Spanish is the most spoken language in the world. That's actually, how many more crimes are we going to see happening in Elvish because of this? <laughs> When police finally found that storage locker, they found several earrings in a jewelry pouch that were eventually matched to multiple murder victims, as well as many pairs of earrings that have never been matched to anyone. Wow. And 1,700 negatives and slides, including one marked Tolly Rape and another series named Ode to New York by John Berger. And with that, Rodney was charged with kidnapping, lewd acts upon a child, murder, and robbery. And that began Rodney Alcala's 31-year-long dance with the American legal system. Yeah, oh, dude, Ben, you're going to fucking love this. Can't wait. Yeah, man, because this is definitely <laughs> where sure it's he, all smooth sailing. He actually got totally, he, he recouped himself. He's still in prison, but he was good in prison. And he made, <laughs> he made benches and military goods for our wonderful military servicemen and women. I, I wonder why. I wonder if he modeled I wonder if he modeled himself specifically after Ted Bundy, because mm. there are so many Bundy-like well, did he like even qualities. know enough about Bundy at this point? It was, was in the news, right? At this point, I'm trying to think what the time it's period about the same, was. No, I would be surprised if he hated similar. the motherfucker. It's a very similar timeline. Because I feel like he's either watching the news and understanding, oh, I can also get my narcissist supply and all the shit that I need, oh. and I can continue my game in court. 
Like I can now I'm bringing the I'm bringing my game to the legal system. He just sets up the dating game, but in court where the judge sits on one side and it's he with two other plaintiffs. I'm a banana. I'm a banana, two other defendants or something. I mean, kind of, sort of. He does get his narcissistic kicks out like 30 years later, a long, long time later. But I think for the most part, it's just about avoiding the death penalty. He just doesn't want to die. Oh, poor man. Poor baby. That actually makes me more fucking pissed off. Because it's like some serial killers are like, please kill me. I'm fine with mm-hmm. it. But like yeah. the fact that he had preservation of life for himself, which means yeah. he had an understanding that death sucks. Yes. Uh, yeah. Is really fucking horrible. Yeah. Now the process, I actually never thought of it that way before. Yeah, you're right. right. It's like the only person he ever had sympathy for. He's himself. Yeah. yeah. Now the prosecution's biggest problem with trying Alcala for Robin Samso's murder was that there was no physical evidence linking Rodney Alcala to the crime. But the prosecution did have the testimony of firefighter Dana Crappa and the testimony of a couple of jailhouse snitches. See, while Rodney never admitted anything to the police or to the press, he was pretty free with the details of the Robin Samso murder when he was speaking to fellow inmates. Oh, he probably thought he was the coolest guy around. Well, no, it's again, he downplays it. He does the whole thing where he's just like, I'm a reasonable guy. Yeah, he told them he'd slapped her unconscious, then killed her with a rock all while describing the murder as, quote, a weird situation. It is pretty weird. A developing situation. <laughs> yeah, but it's weird weird. It's weird weird because when it comes down to it, you never really uh, tell me when I'm killing a girl. I said, yeah. they just think about this. Weird. Like, oh, well, this yeah, is weird. So odd, yeah. <laughs> In addition to those testimonies, the prosecution was also allowed to use all of Rodney's past crimes in service of proving that he was not only capable of such a thing, but likely to do it. And so when the defense gave their closing statements, they said that the prosecution had proved that Alcala was a bad man and they proved that this was a bad crime, but they had not proved that Mr. Alcala killed Robin Samso. Thankfully, though, after a 12 week long trial, Rodney Alcala was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to death while the courtroom audibly cheered the decision. But that was merely the first of Rodney Alcala's three trials wow yeah dude by august of 1984 the california supreme court overturned alcala's death penalty conviction because it was their opinion that rodney's past convictions weren't pertinent to the robin samso case it and seems there- like it- oh, and it therefore poisoned the jury oh my ben, God. Listen, it wouldn't been okay. seriously li- li- listen to this, okay, this reasoning specifically they said that the alleged similarities between rodney's past offenses and the murder of robin samso are common to a substantial portion of the child molester population therefore since any old child molester could have done it talking about rodney's past crimes were prejudicial i just think about this idea that like child molesting is this like c-team crime like stealing gum you know what i mean like this idea that child molesting was just me like and half of us are child molesters your honor think about this who Who hasn't molested a child in this audience i for one am one you know what i mean what are you gonna do yeah i mean that is unbelievable i mean i guess it wouldn't have been pertinent to this case if his former crimes were like farting on a police officer. Like if yeah. his former crimes mm-hmm. were totally different, <laughs> like running than the this light, crime, running yeah, the running light the at the comedy club, sure, yeah. running yeah, onto but- the stage and tackling your least favorite basketball player, yes. or running onto the court. <laughs> but this is like it, it seems fairly indicative of a habit. But what their argument was is that you know it. Luring a child, you know, bringing them in under false pretenses, isolating them. They're like, that's just what a child molester does. 
And so if that's just what a child molester does, any child molester could have done it. So since any child molester could have done this, we can't talk about this because, you know, Rodney Alcala is just, he's your regular run-of-the-mill child molester. I mean, look at his hair. And the California Supreme Court was like, yep, sounds good to us. All right. So in 1986, Rodney's second trial began. But while the prosecution still had no physical evidence, the jury still found Alcala guilty on all counts. And again, he was sentenced to death. By 1990, Rodney still hadn't admitted to a single murder, but he still gave a two-hour-long interview about what life was like on death row, comparing it to a night in the early 60s when the back tire of his motorcycle blew out. Man, so He's, it's like, you know what it's like, because you went and you had that flat tire. I, so it was yeah. like you were on death row. <laughs> death row is so much like having a flat tire, then you call your friend who comes and helps you, and then everything is fine. It takes about 20 minutes. Just like that. Yeah. Well, he said the fear he felt that night as he struggled to regain control was the same fear he felt on death row, but writ large and drawn out over a series of years. He went on to say that he liked playing backgammon and Scrabble with the other death row inmates and insisted that his favorite movie was When Harry Met Sally. That tracks. Yeah, yeah that tracks. actually does. Yeah, that track. makes sense. It's it's always track. the weirdos who love like the most. Like it's a rom com. I'm just a rom com kind of guy. I'm just, I just like, like Billy Crystal. He's a massive <laughs> Billy Crystal fan. Yes. He's always been. Uh, it's also strange that he described Death Row as if he was vacationing at a log cabin. Right. <laughs> By 1994, Rodney Alcala had written and self published a book called. You, the jury. Mm. In this 300-page plea for innocence, Rodney published the entire transcript from his second trial and then added his own notes refuting witness statements and prosecutor arguments. This is just like Howard Stern's new book. It's all old interviews. He didn't write anything other than what... There are notes. There are notes. That's it. It's a compilation of notes. The beginning of Howard Stern's book is just him complaining about having to write a book. Yes. Yes, he is lazy. (laughs) Rodney's book is sort of like the example, like the golden example of a self-published book book of a from yeah. a man on death row yeah you know uh-huh. what i mean because it's it is that like the idea of like halting reality because it's the ultimate thing that a narcissist slash psychopath wants to do at all times right like like the movie remote control or something like that where you can pause and be like and this is where she's wrong and why i'm a genius and he can do mm-hmm. that on his don't own bring, transcript don't you bring zach morris into this man he <laughs> called time out because he wanted to clear stuff up with the audience yes <laughs> but imagine if zach morris was also a multiple multiple child molester and murderer and i do often think that we haven't seen saved by the bell after college <laughs> <laughs> saved by the bell the unemployment line yeah the prison years <laughs> At the end of the book, Alcala stated that there was no evidence linking him to the murder of Robin Samso. This was his final summation. The people have attempted to deceive you. Fundamental American fairness requires that I get a fair trial, unlike the trial I got in 1986. That trial continues to mock, with apparent impunity, our unequaled American system of justice and our great constitution. I just want to grab him by the ankles and slam him against all of the walls of his uh, isolated prison cell. I'll kill again. Shouldn't have wrote that down. No, definitely not. You want to delete that one. Included with this plea was a 71-question yes-no feedback survey that readers could fill out and send to Alcala at San Quentin as well as an order form where readers could request another copy of oh. You, the Jury, for $24.50. He invented Substack. <laughs> wow. Now, Rodney's sentence 
should have held up. But because the California legal system apparently had nothing better to do, a higher court issued another reversal on Alcala's 1986 conviction. This one is almost more infuriating because it's such a technicality. They overturned it because Dana Crappa's testimony from the first trial was read out at the second trial without Dana Crappa being present. On some level, uh, I have to thank these systems for existing, right? Because who knows when we'll need them? Right. Yeah, like who knows course. when we'll need this shit? You know, you get railroaded at trial. How many times we talk about this? People, innocent people go to jail all the time. Sure. You you wonder, you're stuck in the system, you want to get out, you would like you and you know you're innocent, but it's just fucked that the same exist the same system exists for Rodney Alcala. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, is that it it just seems like people like Rodney Alcala are the ones who get the fucking slot. That the people who actually deserve to get out and the people that are in prison for like truly unjust things, those are the ones who don't get in line. Uh, But it's it it is interesting because I also feel like there's certain amount of an unscrupulous edge that helps. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that shark mentality really helps. Yeah. And I think it's also sometimes I think they want to be seen to be doing something. And yeah. this takes up a good amount of time without actually having to fucking do anything at all. Yeah, dude, right. you just get to be in the law library. Like, you just mm-hmm. get to be out of your cell. You get to be doing these things. You have meetings. You get to see people outside of the jail. You get to do all of these things. He's got his girlfriend probably. He still visits him in jail. He gets to talk to somebody who's not just Sirhan Sirhan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But just a year after that conviction was overturned, California passed a law allowing investigators to take DNA samples from prisoners. And Alcala's DNA was quickly matched to four more murders. By the time Alcala's third trial for the murder of Robin Samso began in 2005, it was deemed that Rodney would stand trial for all five murders at the same time. Wait, hold on one second. You guys are telling me it's going to get worse at this trial then, huh? It hasn't gotten any better. Is that right? (laughs) So more crimes. More crimes. (laughs) I didn't write that in the book. I didn't write that in the book. (laughs) But Rodney, being a narcissist, took the route that oh so many serial killers eventually do when they decide that they're the smartest person in the room. For Rodney's last trial, he chose to represent himself at the age of 62. And you know, he's he's got to one-up it though. He should become the judge. I'm the judge. I am the judge. Now, judge, you're on trial, judge. You see how this works? You should be like, well, according to California law, it holds. Okay. He's the judge. Eerie, I'm the eerie. criminal. Oh. I, uh, it's now we have to play this out. Eerie, eerie. All rise for Judge Banana. <laughs> but Rodney Alcala does sort of look like a guy who sells pewter, like pewter figurines professionally. In this, he, he looks sort of like old guy at the metal show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A, a little bit. Not to yeah. demise any of the old guys at the metal show. No, but he's got super long, a super, super long gray hair, right. like a little tiny that's glasses. The fa- that's more of the famous picture that we've all seen. Yes. Circulating a little bit. Yeah. Now, with Alcala representing himself, as well as, you know, having the DNA evidence in there, the prosecution basically had a layup. And when a witness during the third trial laid out everything that Rodney had done to his victims, one by one by one, he had no questions. But then, Dr. Sharon Schnitker took the stand. Uh-oh. She'd been the coroner in 1977 who'd done the autopsy for Jill Parento, and she gave horrific details on the stand about Parento's injuries, including torn corners on Parento's mouth. And that's when Rodney Alcala felt like it was his time to shine in the courtroom. 
He began by asking Dr. Schnitker about those tears, and Dr. Schnitker replied that they were most likely caused by forcible oral copulation. This, without any embellishment whatsoever, is the exchange that Rodney and Dr. Schnitker had following Dr. Schnitker's reply. Henry shall be playing Rodney, I shall be playing Dr. Schnitker. The role that Marcus was always meant to play, Dr. Schnicker. <laughs> Schnicker. 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 All right. You're, gonna, you're not going to finish it? You, I'm yeah, not doing hardly. jokes like that for this episode. Schnicker. No, the corny joke for this episode is sex food names. Oh, okay. okay I'm sorry. You reached your limit. Please. Could her mouth have been stretched in some other way to cause that type of injury? I suppose it could have been caused by soft cloth gag tied somewhere around the head. If it were from forced oral copulation, would it indicate a large diameter penis? Oh my god. Or would it be consistent with a small diameter penis? I think generally if oral copulation were consensual, you would not get abrasions at the corner of the mouth. I don't have any idea what the size of the penis would be, other than I would say within the realm of a normal, you know, 98% of size of penises. Okay, okay, okay. Now let's consider a possibility here. Let's say you have a toasted hero sandwich, right? Sort of like a French piece of bread sliced down the middle, down the center, and with some salami or whatever in there. Now you put that in your mouth. Could that scrape? In other words, how to, how to what extent was the scrape marks on the edges of the mouth? Very small. So it's consistent, then, with sticking a hero sandwich into your mouth. You know what I'm talking about. A hero sandwich. It's like a loaf of bread split down the middle. It's around it. Toasted. You put it in your mouth. Yeah, we know what They're it is. They're pretty big. They're wide. You bite on it, and you could have scraped. Because those types of marks, is that, is I wouldn't that's think a sandwich. So. I, I wouldn't think so. Have you ever ha had a big hero sandwich? What the fuck are we sure, talking about? I've had, sure, I've had a lot of big sandwiches. They are bigger than the mouth. Right. You do not tend to injure yourself as a general rule intentionally. You're not forcibly jamming it down your mouth. You tend to take a bite-sized piece. Objection, Your Honor. This person has never been to an Italian yard party. <laughs> They've never been to a party in Queens, so they don't know what it's like to well, have that, a big sub. That might be true. That was Rodney's only major cross-examination during the entire trial. This I, idea that he's sitting there that he thinks he can fool the jury. like, this is it. Uh, but what about yeah. a big sandwich? What about a big sandwich? Yeah, what about sandwich? everything else? Because a sandwich can't tie a shirt around your neck and strangle you. I don't know. Have you met a rapist sandwich? No. Well, his other big contribution was when Alcala called himself to the stand as a witness for the defense. Yeah, man. This is like, this is when it gets into, it almost is like, why do we allow this? <laughs> I mean, you're allowed to defend yourself. I know, but then, like, again, man, I guess this is, these are the people that use the system, right? It's normally mm -hmm. people, like, you either are a Supreme Court lawyer or some bullshit, right? But half the time, big-time lawyers get a lawyer, right? They oh, don't yeah. defend always, themselves. Always get a always. lawyer. Always, always get a lawyer. Always. This is, a, this is actually one of the dumbest laws we have, that you're allowed to represent you're allowed yourself. To. You're allowed I know to. you're allowed to, but you should have, there should be a requirement that says, if you have a certification from the bar, I guess like if so you're they, bar certified, then then you can represent yourself. Because you know what it is? It's not that it's to be honest, it's not about like the obviously, you know, it's a slam dunk. This fucking moron's going to go to jail for doing this to himself. But it's just like, isn't this just a waste of everybody's money and time? 
Yeah, Rodney Alcala, defense lawyer, spent five hours questioning Rodney Alcala, defendant. And he had two different hats. He had two different (laughs) hats and two sets of glasses. Here are some examples of those questions. Henry, if you would. What was the next phone call you made, Mr. Alcala? Uh, Mr. Alcala, after you spent time with your sister and her kids, what did you do? Rodney, now tell, tell me. Would you please tell us about your hair? Okay, Mr. Alcala. So that completes Tuesday, June the 19th. What did you do on June the 20th? On June the 20th was the day that Robin Samso was murdered. And while Rodney would go into great detail about the days before and the days after, he never had much to say about the day of the murder itself. Because it seems like if he did, he'd have to describe the whole crime and the thing that he did. Right. Mm -hmm. In fact, when Rodney made his closing statements, he didn't mention the other four women he was on trial for murdering at all. And Barely even mentioned Robin Samso. I See, what we have here, what, what we have here, jurors, this is a massive, massive rug. Look you at this, this rug. <laughs> Look at this rug. Now here, little sweeper. You see the little pile of dust right there? <laughs> Lift up the rug. <laughs> Couldn't be clearer. Couldn't be clearer, folks. Let's put it all in the rug. Have what? you ever had a big sandwich? Have you ever had a big sandwich? I'm going to actually eat this big sandwich in front of you right now. You know, the guy who started Quiznos, the guy who started Quiznos, Quiznos is in the back, and he's just like, yeah, Roberto Quizno, and he's like, toasted sandwiches. Again, to no one's surprise, Rodney Alcala was found guilty. Interestingly, though, during the penalty phase, Charlize Theron was seen in the audience. Why? Researching her role in Monster as oh Eileen Wernos. Every stop. actor needs to be arrested. Just stop. Every actor just needs <laughs> to, just, just to spend a night in jail. You don't belong once. in Supreme Court <laughs> they, trials. They just you don't need belong to be anywhere. Put somewhere. They just actors need to just just. Oh. This is not about you studying how to be fucking Eileen Warnos. This is about the, the victims of this man who's a maniac. All, all the fucking cameras are pointed to her fucking ass. Oh just my going, god. Hmm. <laughs> oh, that, thank you so much Making for being scary there. faces. Like, how do I make this entire thing a fucking clown show? Maybe I'll show up. <laughs> as far as what Rodney did to try and save himself from the death penalty, he inexplicably played a portion of Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie. What? Arlo Guthrie? To, yeah. I guess Why? he's trying to explain his behavior without actually admitting to what he'd done. Ben, have you ever heard Alice's Restaurant? Of course. I know Arlo, yeah. Gruth, uh, Arlo Guthrie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a purposefully rambling 18 minute long satire about the hypocrisy of the Vietnam War. It's very standard hippie shit. Folk. Yeah. But for, yeah. But for reasons that no one seems clear on, this is the excerpt that Rodney played. See the psychiatrist room 604. And I went up there. I said, shrink. I want to kill. You know, I want I want to kill. Kill. I want. I want to see. I want to see blood and gore and guts and veins in my teeth. Eat dead, burnt bodies. I mean, kill, 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 kill. And I started jumping up and down, yelling, kill, kill. And it started jumping up and down with me, and we was both jumping up and down, yelling, kill, kill. And the sergeant came over, came to meddle on me, sent me down the hall, said, "You're our boy." No, and, and he just he's just sitting there playing, and then he looks at the jury wow. and goes, huh? 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 Pretty nice, and the jury is <laughs> sitting there just dancing a little bit, like, just a little uh, bit of dancing. Just slightly kind yeah. of shimming. A little shuffle, um, yeah. Oh, and interestingly, I just noticed uh, Arlo Guthrie and Rodney Alcala have the same haircut. Isn't that nice? It, it's, definitely not the gr- it's definitely not lyrics that would me... 
if I heard those lyrics as a juror, I would not be like, maybe he's innocent. No, <laughs> it seems like he is admitting again that he's a mass murderer, total psychopath. It might be the most honest he's ever been. Weirdly, maybe that Arlo was a very thing. honest musician, but I feel like it's he kind of did say it. He just said, I if you t- uh, to ask me what I wanted to do, I'd want to kill and kill and kill. Yeah, you know, like instead of with the the like little black box laughter in it if you took uh. the laughter out of it and you just like made it like a silence a deadly silence and yes it might be closer to the truth something with the laughter makes it so much more chilling well yeah, yeah. especially played in court yeah exactly yeah. if you're arlo you're just like whoa i didn't expect this song to be used for that but okay yeah. we're just happy was- to have a listener <laughs> <laughs> well after that baffling move rodney read a letter from his mother how he was never a problem was always such a quiet, sensitive, studious, good boy. He also read testimonies from corrections officers who called him a model prisoner, as well as testimony from two friends who called him, quote, a man very much worth saving. And then he played a clip from I Like Big Butts and I Cannot Lie. (laughs) And I Cannot Lie, but he was lying this entire time. Yes, because he does like a a thin butt. Isn't that a lie? This, This entire trial seems like a massive lie. In the end of it, though, none of it had an impact. Rodney Alcala was sentenced to death for a third time. And in 2012, he also pled guilty to the 1971 murder of Cornelia Criley and the 1977 murder of Ellen Hover. And that's the closest he ever came to admitting responsibility. It is. Wow. He was also charged with the murder of Christine Thornton in Montana and has since been directly linked to other murders in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, New York, New Hampshire, and Arizona. Wow. But by the time he was linked to those murders, Rodney Alcala was in his 70s. And from later pictures I've seen, pretty fucking far gone. Yeah, he was sick for a while. Nobody could see the point in prosecuting anything further. And just this last July, Rodney Alcala died of natural causes at the age of 77, which was a far better death than what one of the most prolific serial killers in American history ever deserved absolutely he didn't give his victims any second chance or third chance that man is a fucking horrible horrible creature and he needs to be he should have been killed like a banana he should have been put in a dehydrator maybe (laughs) just peeled from top to bottom there's so many just smash him with smash with a car tire Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things. All right, Rodney Alcala. Very scary, man. Such a scary story. I didn't realize how depraved he just was because we get these watered down versions on every damn show that you see on TV. Of course. That man is, wow. Because he just made Christ. it super He did creepy. not deserve to live to 77. Norm died at 61. I know. We keep I'm saying this, man. I'm not going to do this. I just I'm not doing this. Yeah. Who would have thought? Oh, just does. He doesn't deserve. He didn't deserve a damn breath. No. Um, all right. Well, but thank you all so much for listening. What a uh, very interesting story. Again, uh, be very wary of your local photographer. Check up your references. No one needs a photographer like, anymore. Everyone has phones. Everything is better don't. than any picture that was ever taken in human history. Right now, you can do it. If you want to, if you're an aspiring model or if you are a current model, you honestly, a photographer can be helpful. But check their resources, check their references, get their portfolio, and ask other people what it's it like to work with. It can just be your friend now. Um, it could be. Uh, hmm. But also. I remember the super at my old building got in a big trouble for us. Yes. Uh, turning our building into a um, 
porno shoot. But he uh, got into trouble for other things as well. He also recently just got arrested for hiding cameras in tenants' apartments. Yes. Yeah. It's so yeah. again, yeah, the seeds yeah. were planted. If back you, in the day. <laughs> and when it comes to photographers, again, if you see a Polaroid camera, they're a killer. Never go. Yeah. If you see anyone with the Polaroid the only camera, people I don't you, trust them. The only place you should see a Polaroid camera is at a fun little like kiosk during a wedding. That's you know it. Mean? Like that's it. That's or the Insta, Instax or one of those. If you're going to get it from like one of the like the sultry <sighs> nudie websites, you can get those mailed to your house. Like, All right. Um, But guys, (laughs) next week, we have a subject that is going to be very, very interesting. Probably, honestly, closer to uh, one of the more darker subjects we've ever covered, uh, which I think is going to be very interesting. It's also a precursor to a series that we will be doing next year in terms of charting a certain activity and the way sometimes people in authority can manipulate the minds of the young what are you Mm -hmm. talking about it's gonna be very interesting i'm very excited because it's right before we head into halloween season yeah because i thought it's coming my tds my tds are filled with blinking candy corns my (laughs) options are still michael myers jason Voorhees, leatherface big nun um, you are those so are really, good at Big Nun. Yeah, I might just do Big Nun again. It's going to be fun. Guys. Uh, thanks for supporting all the shows here on the network. Also, we have some new information. You can find it on our uh, Instagram regarding our weed vapes. Those are in a few mm-hmm. more places now. We got new spots. We got Roots up in the valley. We got Love Higher roots. Path. We've got, that's in Sherman Oaks. We're really excited. Um, also, uh, this is all, those are both L.A., uh, we got live shows coming up next week. Woo! We can't wait to see you there. We're going to be in OKC. We're going to be in Sacktown, Sacramento. Yeah, We're going to be Sacktown. in Salt Lake City. So excited to be back in SLC. It's been such a long time. We are in Love a SLC. salty weekend between Sacktown and Salt Lake City. Yep. We're going to have a lot oh, of salty flavors in our mouth. Can't wait to go to Salt Lake City because we had last time we played Salt Lake City, we hadn't yet done our series on the Mormons. So yes. I'm excited to go and wander yeah. around all those weird ass buildings that they have and see if I can maybe buy some ceremonies. I did that the last time. I did that last time too. It's really interesting because they are more welcoming than Scientologists only just because they want like they want you to see like they invited me inside even though I was like wearing like I'm wearing this Champions of Hell shirt I definitely was wearing something with like a devil and a dead woman on it and they still have me in there. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh. But guys, yes. And I also want to thank everyone who uh, donated to the Last Prisoner Project. Ed Larson from Brighter Side, he did a fantastic job. He put on a great mugshot roast that we all took uh, that we all took mm-hmm. part in. We raised seventy five hundred bucks for a great cause. As we talk about people who b- belong behind bars, such as Alcala, um, some people, many people, do not. As no. we have a monetized private prison system that is absolutely devastating. Making money off of the suffering of others is not good. So thank you all. So so much for donating to the last prisoner project and uh, yeah keep on supporting all the shows here on the last podcast network okay everyone hail yourselves hail satan Hugging. that's not even a song it's nothing that is a beautiful song this show is made possible by listeners like you Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. 
Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.